This is the Stockton San Joaquin County Public Library. Browse from a great selection of fiction and nonfiction digital items in Hoopla. Hoopla also has a wide variety of popular comics for all ages. Library card holders are allowed four checkouts a month. Enjoy magazines and the great courses unlimited with a binge pass. A Hoopla Binge Pass gives you seven days of unlimited access to great online content with a single borrow. To get started, visit ssjcpl.org. Hi, and welcome back to Dark Fascinations. I'm Brianna, and joining me as always is... Jody. And this month, we read a book, a wild book, it's real <laughs> weird, we'll get into it, called Harriet Said... By Beryl Bainbridge. This is a Hoopla exclusive book. So if you would like to read it, um, all you need to do is get the Hoopla app and you can read it on any of your devices. Um, but this book is based on the Parker, is it Hume? I think Hume? it's Hume. I think it's Hume. Hume. Parker Hume case in New Zealand, which is wild and we'll get to it, but basically, the author, Anne Perry, is part of this case. Jody, would you like to give us some background? <laughs> yes. So, basically, in 1954, Nora Parker was killed by her teenage daughter, Pauline, and her daughter's friend, Juliet Hume. Okay. Uh, Pauline, I think, was 16, and Juliet was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is a crazy tale. <laughs> It really is. It is. It is almost like it's not real. It is very cuckoo. Okay. So Pauline um, came from a working class background and Julianne, sorry, Juliet was from a more privileged background. Her dad was well-known physicist and worked at the college there. Um, So very different backgrounds. They became very good friends. Uh, Very. I good think it, it's safe to say that they were obsessed with each other. <laughs> Very good friends. Um, their friendship grew into basically an elaborate fantasy life, essentially. Yeah. They, um, they created they wrote, their own religion, too. Yes. They wrote plays and stories that s- centered around this new fantasy world that they created, which basically, in their minds, made them somewhat exalted and didn't have to be held to regular moral standards. Um, they became obsessed with each other, so much so that the girls' parents were concerned that they were in a sexual relationship, and so which at the time was definitely not accepted and was considered a mental illness. Um, but despite that, the parents still let them hang out together all the time, which I guess they weren't too concerned then. They created I think their they own. They were more concerned with like appearances. The- yeah. Not necessarily their relationship, but how other people perceived it. Yes. They created their own saints uh, in their religion. Um, their dimension was called the fourth world. It was basically their own heaven, and they could enter during moments of spiritual enlightenment, which they were able to achieve through their very close friendship. So that's cuckoo. Um, Love which, it. Um, and they refer to themselves as heavenly creatures, which hence the movie Heavenly Creatures, but we'll get into that later too. Um, so in 1954, Juliet's parents separated and they planned um, to leave New Zealand and they um, decided to send Juliet to 
live in South Africa due to her health. Both girls had very poor health um, growing up. Juliet worse. Um, they said it was for her health. Um, and obviously these girls were heartbroken and devastated that they were going to be separated. So um, they decided amongst themselves that Pauline should go to South Africa with Juliet. And they thought that um, Juliet's parents would agree. Um, but Pauline was convinced that her mom would never allow it. So they became obsessed with um, trying to, you know, make this plan happen where they could stay together. Um, so basically their plan was to remove the obstacle of Pauline's mother. And um, so they could go to South Africa together and then eventually New York or Hollywood, Hollywood where they would publish all their writings that they'd been writing and maybe work in film. Um, so it was a grand plan. Um, and their plan was to um, kill Pauline's mom and make it look like an accident. And this is, that's what they did. So they went Except for a walk. It didn't look accidental <laughs> at all. No, so they went for a walk uh, with Pauline's mom through the park. And once they reached a certain wooded area, um, they bludgeoned Pauline's mom to death with a brick that was enclosed in an old stocking. Um, and then they fled um, the scene, but they were covered in blood. Um, and they ended up at a tea shop where they told um, the owners had recognized them. And they told the owners of the tea shop that Pauline's mother had fallen and hit her head. Um, wrong. <laughs> nope. And once the body happen. was discovered, um, along with the brick, um, yeah, so their story of an accidental death basically fell apart. Um, Real fast. Yeah, no. And, of course, the trial was a sensational affair with tons of speculation about the girls' relationship and their sexuality and their sanity. Um, because of this fourth world fantasy they've created. Which was not this fourth dimension or whatever, yes. Um, they were convicted, and but only spent five years um, in prison. They were sent to separate prisons. The girls did ultimately confess, hence helping be being convicted. Um, Pauline ended up being a very reclusive, quiet life and became a devout Roman Catholic um, and does not, uh, never really spoke about anything that happened. Um, however, Juliet changed her name and became famous author Anne Perry. Um, who writes which about is murders. crazy. Yes, who writes about murders. She's a very successful crime novelist. She, Julie, it, she claims that she believed Pauline would have killed herself if she didn't go along with the whole plan. And then she also says that she felt like she owed Pauline um, so much because Pauline is the only one who cared about her when she had been sent to the um, sanatorium for three months when she was really sick. Um, again, who knows what's true, what's not true. Um, but she also says that she's made peace with what she did um, a long time ago. But she she kept her identity a secret for a very long time until the basically until the movies of Heavenly Creatures came out, and then there was a big article about how Juliet was Anne Perry. And she does, everything I've read so far, it's that she does not like to talk about it. 
She was very angry that she was outed. Um, she wants to be judged for who she is now, not what she was then. Um, and she had to give up her past, which was the hardest thing imaginable. But she does, she did say that her time in prison was the best thing that could have happened um, to her. But yeah, it's a cuckoo, cuckoo crazy story about two young girls. It really is. And this, like, this case has inspired so many different adaptations, not just the one that we're reading. Um, But the movie Heavenly Creatures by Peter Jackson is pretty much exactly how it goes. And it definitely is a more sympathetic portrait of these two girls, but doesn't shy away from the brutality of the crime that they committed together. Um, There's this one, there's a a French play, and there's also a new book called These Violent Delights that is also partially inspired by these events. The two characters are even named Paul and Julian. Pauline and Juliet. So it's a lot. Um, I will say they did not have like an idyllic like home life or time growing up. You know, they no. did have a lot of there was a lot of issues. They didn't have like the greatest, you know, parents. And, you know, they had a lot of they both had um childhood illnesses, very severe ones. Um so I which mean Which was what they initially bonded over was their severe yeah. childhood illnesses. Yeah, they even somewhat romanticized that whole, their Being whole Ill. bonding of the illness. Yeah, um, but again, does not excuse murder. But no. then, if you li- if you listen, um, I was listening to a bunch of different podcasts and watched some of the documentaries, and when they read like the ex the excerpts from the diary, the diaries that the girls wrote in and stuff, mm-hmm. it is it is some fascinating. Some fascinating stuff, man. <laughs> I, I believe you. it. It is. It is. They had some big imaginations and um, ideas for being so young. And so do the two protagonists in Harriet Said. Um, so Harriet Said has two protagonists. Harriet, she's the older kind of ringleader of this group of two. She's 14. And the other is an unnamed young girl. And mostly we see things through her perspective and through her eyes. And she is only 13 years old. And this book, it's like pretty, It I think it's fairly loosely based, but also fairly accurate because these two girls in Harriet said also create this elaborate kind of fantasy life together uh, where the unnamed protagonist follows Harriet and kind of does whatever she wants her to do. They also write copious notes and things and diaries to create this kind of fiction about what's happening to them. But also, it's weird. This book is weird. Like, you don't know if what they're writing actually happened or if they just made everything up. When, that they write but when they talk to each other it sounds like they're recounting actual experiences but you don't really know for sure if these what's things real actually, and what's not real yeah or what mm-hmm. happened and what didn't happen it's like very I don't want to say whimsical but it's like it feels very ethereal like it's not quite based in reality but you can't pinpoint exactly what makes it not quite based in reality because (laughs) they do describe events that did happen 
but they change the narrative a bit to fit whatever story it is that Harriet wants to tell. But basically, these two young ladies are also obsessed with each other. Um, the unnamed main protagonist follows Harriet wherever Harriet goes, even if she doesn't want to, even if like her inner moral conscience is like, hmm, this seems wrong. She does it anyways. She'll like overwrite it because Harriet must be right. Like whatever Harriet wants must be the way to go. Cause she thinks Harriet is like perfect. Every she thinks like Harriet not only like personality wise is perfect to her, but appearance wise is like everything she wants to be or thinks that beauty is that she herself doesn't have. Cause she's pretty self-conscious. Um, People describe her as stout, which really, like, hurts her feelings. She's only 13. Um, And so Harriet is, you know, like, super thin and tan and just, she thinks, like, the epitome of the beauty standard that she should ascribe to but just can't quite get there. Which is also Um, true of the, the real Juliet and Pauline in that. Juliet was the she was like refined and beautiful and graced and the other one was not as attractive and like harder and whatnot and I think too just like the real case these two girls don't necessarily have a wonderful home life particularly Harriet um Harriet has a pretty abysmal home life Um, Her father is very abusive, and her mother is just kind of, like, there. Yeah, she's very checked out. She's very checked out. Um, And they just kind of let Harriet do whatever she wants, but also not. Um, And then the unnamed protagonist, she... She has a more traditional, I guess you could say, home life, but it's set in the 50s. I do kind of want to say this before we get into the plot. So it was originally completed in 1958, but this book was rejected by so many publishers, and they even published it. It wasn't published until the 70s, and they quoted one of the rejections on the flyleaf of the book, and it said, what repulsive little creatures you have made the two central characters repulsive almost beyond belief and I think the scene in which the two men and the two girls meet in the czar's house is too indecent and unpleasant even for these lax days what is more I fear that even now a respectable printer would not print it yeah so that's what we're (laughs) getting into it It is gross it's like it is repulsive (laughs) it is repulsive it's like a weird it's like a weird lolita type situation Yes, it is. It is weird, especially with their ages. It is. It is a lot. They're 14 and 13. And basically. The 13 year old unnamed protagonist. I she it says she develops a crush and she kind of does, but kind of doesn't. It's mostly at Harriet's behest. Um, So there's this man in this town called Peter Briggs. They call him the Czar after Peter the Great because they they pretty much have nicknames and not nice names for everybody in this town. (laughs) Um, And 
Peter Briggs, or the Tsar, doesn't like Harriet. He straight up said that he thinks Harriet is evil. And Harriet then decides, like, it's her mission to get back at him, to put him in his place. (laughs) And that's where this whole game starts for these two. And that's, I think, why this unnamed protagonist starts to develop a crush on the Tsar, because Harriet wants it to happen. Mm-hmm. She wants to bring him down because he doesn't like her. And so that kind of starts this whole elaborate tale of oddness. But yeah, so basically Harriet's been forcing these unnamed protagonists in the czar into different places together. And like also punishing the unnamed narrator because she's more liked than Harriet is. And Harriet has to be the important one and the one in charge. So there's like, there's a lot going on in these two girls' emotional lives. So basically, these two girls <laughs> obsess with one very another. It's complicated. It's kind of complicated. Like the book is so short. I don't even think it's like quite 200 pages long, but so much happens and so much happens where you're like, did this really happen? Like, did this actually happen? Or is this someone's head? Yeah, what these girls think happened that they wrote down in their little diary. Like what what's going on here? But basically, Harriet thinks that she's too good for everybody. The only person she really associates with is the unnamed narrator because she can control her. Um, and she has it out for everybody in this town. She thinks they're all stupid. They're all beneath her, um, and they all need to be, like, put in their place. And she really, really centers and hones in on Peter Briggs and his wife. Like, really hardcore. I should say, too, why the parents don't want these two girls. Well, why the unnamed narrator doesn't. Her parents don't like Harriet. Because they had some type of some encounter with Italian sailors on the beach in the summer prior that got around town. And Mrs. Briggs spread the gossip. That's why Harriet doesn't like her. And so they've got that on their heads. So people already have assumptions about these two girls. And then she's got, like, I don't know. She really has it in for these two people. Like, more so than anyone else. And she's determined to bring them down in any way, shape, or form. And that includes some of it, like, forcing together the unnamed protagonist and Peter Briggs. She never specifically says how. And it turns out what happens isn't what she... Well, actually, I don't know. Parts of it, I don't think Harriet intended to happen, but parts of it, I think she did. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I told I told you when I was reading it, I was so confused. <laughs> I had to like go back and reread certain passages because I was like, wait, what? That wait, what? That is that what happened? I was very confused. Um, yeah, because sometimes she seems mad. Um. When things happen. Mm-hmm. But she's the one that set them up to happen. So like if she wanted the unnamed protagonist to do something. Then she should have like been specific. Because I don't think she knew. She was just kind of going with the. 
the flow, you know, where this time spent with Peter Briggs took her. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so for her, for Harriet to get Matt, then she should have given her like real specific direction of what exactly she wanted her to do. No, um, she never gives her any specifics. No. She so, just kind so of has her get do mad. it. And then it's wrong we should and she say gets that, upset about it. We should say that Peter Briggs is not young. Peter Briggs is not young. He is a at best in his 40s. He could be older yeah. than that. And he is not described in a attractive way. He's got sallow skin, wispy, thin hair, mm -hmm. sagging eyes. He smells like he's dying. Um, he's very he's, like morose. He's not. Well, and it's so weird. So he's described like that, but then he's also described as being very elegant. Like they call him Peter the Great. They call him the Czar. So mm -hmm. it's like, what is it? What is it? Well, and then when they describe his wife, she's like a big hulking monster of a woman. And mm -hmm. it's, yeah, she's, so you don't, again, you don't know what's true. If this is just how they describe them in their writings, or if that's actually, you know, how it's they how look. they perceive them. Mm -hmm. But we don't know. Because these two girls aren't exactly reliable. They're not reliable narrators. You can't take what they say as truth. Take it with a grain of salt. They, they're they gunning for this couple, the Briggs. That's what they're doing. And they, like, they spy on them. They, like, it. they really go out of their way to put themselves in the path of these two people at Harriet's behest. And it's like... With the blurb that I read, that's kind of like the breaking point in the novel where, so Harriet's been throwing the unnamed protagonist and the czar together to the point where she even locks them in a church together and they have to like break out. But also the czar, I don't know what's going on with him. He... He's attracted to a 13-year-old, which is Let's, in no way, yes. shape, or form okay. Yes, he's a pedophile. He's <laughs> he's supposed to be the adult, and he is not being the adult. No matter how unhappy you may be in your relationship, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And he, Yes, because they're not always, like, locked together. Sometimes they just take walks together, so he could always just walk away. You don't have to take a walk with a child. Mm -mm. You know, if you're just walking along the sea. But he spends time with her and talks to her. And, and he also uh, puts himself in her, her path. Yes, he seeks her out some somewhat. Um, and she talks to him and she acts like, well, she acts, again, don't know. She acts like she cares about him. Mm -hmm. um, she acts like she has Which, a crush on him. She, she goes might. back and forth where sometimes she finds him repulsive and sometimes she finds him attractive and she thinks she loves him. Yeah, but she what's like misses true him and what's when he's not. not. Mm -hmm. We don't know. Up to interpretation. <laughs> the whole book is up for interpretation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Um, but he does kiss her. 
he does, does kiss, kiss her. her. And she doesn't like it, is the thing. She doesn't she doesn't actually like any of their interactions. And it's only when she's together with Harriet that she feels compelled to do it. But again, we don't know. Everything is through her perspective. She's not reliable. So we really don't know what's happening. We do know that Harriet and the unnamed narrator, they're spying on this couple and they go to this house when they know the wife is out of town. And for some reason, he has a friend, which also it's just so creepy. Like that whole situation is so creepy. (laughs) And they invite these two girls over to this house where the wife is gone they do not they're drink drinking <laughs> they're drinking alcohol with these two young girls and the czar is basically he gets drunk and is like just saying how sad his whole life is to this unnamed 13 year old almost like seeking supplication like like um having her forgive him basically and like remove whatever doubt or feelings of this isn't right that he is feeling that he should be feeling yeah isn't he like crying and like prone on the floor Mm -hmm. he's crying yeah he's on the floor and harriet thinks this is great she's like haha (laughs) you fool this is how you really are and we're seeing it well Um, also harriet went off with the friend she did and we don't know what the male friend we don't know what happened. It's implied that things happened. It is implied, she, but they did all, like, Harriet also went through, like, pretty much all of Mrs. Briggs' stuff. hmm And is making very pointed comments about certain things, trying to get a reaction out of the czar that he's not giving her, which makes her even more upset and more determined to take him down. Basically because he doesn't like her is seemingly the the crux of the issue. So that happens. And it's like their friendship is so push and pull, Harriet and the unnamed narrator. Like it's all at Harriet's behest. And the push and pull is pretty much all Harriet's doing. She's definitely got the upper hand in this relationship. And the unnamed narrator just wants to be in her atmosphere, basically, in any she way she can. Us. She loves her. She loves her very much. And she considers her an authority on everything. And she's like, I, she, Harriet herself is extremely manipulative and emotionally manipulative, especially to the unnamed narrator. But it pushes the unnamed narrator to have some type of relationship with the czar that she actually I don't think wants but feels compelled to because Harriet wants it and she does something with the czar that Harriet doesn't like that she thought that Harriet would and that kind of brings us to like the climax here where they're going into the czar's house And Mrs. Briggs comes home. And then Harriet tells the unnamed narrator that she needs to make her leave, basically. And she gives her, like, what was it, a statue? Some kind of figurine. Mm -hmm. And tells tells the unnamed narrator to hit her. And so she the unnamed narrator does. She hits, 
she hits Mrs. Briggs um, a couple times, which, you know, she bludgeons her just like in the real case when Juliet and Pauline bludgeon Pauline's mom and Mrs. Briggs dies. But then this is the end of the book, right? So Juliet's trying to figure or not Juliet. Sorry, that's the real case. Harriet (laughs) is trying to figure out how to cover it up like how they can get away with this crime. And this is really when you see how young the unnamed narrator is, because all she can think is she has school in a week. Like, how is she going to go back to school? (laughs) And you really see like how young she actually is, because a lot of the narrator, the narration kind of belies how young they are. And we, Jody and I talked about it before we started recording, and it's like, it was surprising to learn how young these two characters are, like 13 and 14. So Mrs. Briggs is dead. Harriet and the unnamed narrator have, have killed her. And Harriet is like, how can we get away with this? And she's going to blame it all on Peter Briggs, the husband. She like wipes the scene of fingerprints and she basically tells him, like, you need to be here. We're going to do this. And then you wait. And then you call the police in an hour and tell them you found Mrs. Briggs. And that's that's how it ends. That's the end. They yes. just, like, walk out to the garden together. <laughs> that's the end. Because the beginning is the them running home covered in blood and whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's wild. It's weird. It is a crazy tale. It's a crazy tale of basically Harriet's need to bring this couple down by somewhat seducing him, but it's like it's on him too. He's a grown adult. He should know better. And then framing him for his wife's murder. Maybe she is jealous because he likes the other girl and not her so maybe he's not ugly maybe he's maybe he is like you know peter the great this handsome bigger than life figure Mm -hmm. that doesn't like her but likes the other girl and so she makes they describe him as ugly who knows because the unnamed narrator is definitely in love with Harriet. Yes. She absolutely. That she loves her, wants her to kiss her. And then Harriet is definitely like a more like one-sided friendship. She wants the adoration. Like, yes, but she, I don't necessarily know that she cares about the unnamed narrator. Oh, she doesn't. I, I mean, I think she, it. I yeah. think in her own way she does, but I think she more cares about her in the sense that she can control her and manipulate her and she enjoys that she might also be jealous of her home life because the other unnamed narrator's parents do seem decent they love her yeah and whereas her home life is bad so she just might be jealous all around and this is how she deals with that um and like all the talk of like um, all the other like supposed men that she was with or seducing mm-hmm. or whatever like we don't even necessarily know if that's real no we don't um, and that's the thing is like quite a few 
the the book it's like the writing style is so weird because it seems so simplistic but it's also very lyrical and it creates like this ambiguity about everything like you like i you can't really pinpoint exactly what happens other than these two girls killed this woman and framed her husband that's the only like definitive that i am pretty sure happened yes that happened but the rest we have no we have no idea did it did it not did it only happen because this is the events that they wrote in this diary in this fan is this all a fantasy world that they created all of those events did they not happen at all only happened in their minds because of this fantasy world that they're creating just like pauline and juliet and this, like, these diaries in this world that the girls in the book are creating makes them feel superior to everybody else, too, just like in the real story. It was a wild book, I tell you. It was. If you read it, please let us know what you thought. Did you understand it? <laughs> Love to know. <laughs> uh, if you haven't read it, don't read it when you're super tired, because it'll be even crazier. Uh, you'll have to reread it twice, like I did. Because I was like, "What?" I basically Man, read it last night. It's a short uh, read, and it's fairly fast. But also, it's like, "What am I reading? Like, what is happening here?" Yes, that's what I kept asking myself. I'm like, "What? Wait, what? Is, is this really what going it, on? What's yes. happening?" And then I would go back to like the page before or whatever because I would think that I had missed something mm-hmm. I was very confused about like what I thought they were doing this and then they'd be doing this like this is yeah. what is going on it is it is also it is very sad I felt really bad for the name narrator I mean she's you know essentially molested and manipulated possibly raped um Again, don't know what actually happens. Um, yeah, and manipulated by someone who she thinks is her best friend. Mm-hmm. And she, who she loves more than anybody else in her whole life, including her family. Everybody. Yes, yes. You know, mourns her when she's got, like, out of town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Misses her, like, crazy when she's not around. And is like her act, like her authority figure. Like every anything Harriet says is like law. I am curious if, like in the real case, if their relationship was, if there was one more dominant than the other, in that in that regard. I would guess yes, and I would guess probably Juliet slash Anne Perry, because the other one is was so quiet and doesn't want to talk about it. And for mm-hmm. being so close and so obsessed with each other to not speak ever again, or at least no one knows that unless they did it in secret. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bananas. Yeah. Lots of podcasts, lots of tra- documentaries, all super interesting, especially when you um, can read the actual entries from the diaries and whatnot. Super fascinating. They're I will definitely just, be going just, back to find those. They write a lot of like salacious um, stories, you know, about men and um, whatnot, mm-hmm. and like 
And then when they describe like their world and stuff, it's very interesting. So you definitely, I mean, it's not, I guess, not really a surprise that one of them became an actual <laughs> published author. It's pretty crazy. Like, it's pretty crazy. Planned. And went on to be a very successful published author, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she didn't even find out who she was for, like, what, 30 years? Not until, like, the like 90s. That. Not until, like, the yeah. 90s or the early 2000s did they find out who she actually was. Mm-hmm. I think it coincided with the release of Heavenly Creatures, the yeah, movie. She, yeah, it said something like um, her agent called her and told her that the movie was going to be released and that a journalist had revealed her identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, they wanted to get um, Juliet and Pauline to talk together to give an interview. Yeah, she she said that, um, and this is from an article in The Guardian, that she said, it seemed so unfair. Everything I had worked to achieve as a decent member of society was threatened, and once again, my life was being interpreted by someone else. It had happened in court. When, as a minor, I wasn't allowed to speak, and I heard all these lies being told, and now there's a film, but nobody bothered to talk to me. I knew nothing about it until the day before the release. All I could think of was that my life would fall apart and that it might kill my mother. Which, on the one hand, you do feel for them, but then on the other hand, they murdered a person. So, yeah. So. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that would... I mean, I can understand if you're a minor and you're not allowed to speak, you know, and tell your side of the story. And Mm -hmm. there's all these, you know, especially because their trial was so sensational and, you know, had been built up into this big thing and so focused on their relationship. um, Probably didn't even delve into anything that could have, you know, actually led them up to murdering someone or whatever. And then to have it all, you know, to live quietly and then secretly for decades yeah and then poof there's all out there for everyone to know bananas yeah it's a very interesting story for sure it is very much so we hope that you read it you enjoy it or don't let us know (laughs) um let us know if you thought it was as crazy as we did yeah Yeah. and we hope you join us next month we are going to be Doing, uh, obviously, another book based on a true story. This one we're going to read is a teen book called A Northern Light by Jennifer Donnelly. And this is based on the murder of Grace Brown, who also, this case also has just as many adaptations as the Parker Hume case. Um, I think the most famous uh, for the Grace Brown murder is the movie A Place in the Sun with Elizabeth Taylor and Montgomery Clift. So we hope you join us then. Have you met Libby? Libby allows you to borrow ebooks, audiobooks, and magazines instantly. Browse films through Canopy on Libby as well in the extras section. Download the Libby app for access on your smart devices. To get started, visit ssjcpl.org. To stay up to date with library news, follow us at ssjcpl on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit our website at ssjcpl.org.